Hello and welcome to The Trials, the system playtest actual play podcast from the RPG Academy. I am Michael and this is The Trial of Cold Steel Wardens. Now Cold Steel Wardens is a role-playing game superhero set in the Iron Age of comics. It has a very Watchmen feel to it. Um, it was uh, written, created by A.P. Klosky, who is fairly local to me here in Cincinnati. He and I met at CincyCon earlier this year when I demoed his game. I really enjoyed it. And uh, so we invited him to come onto the show and uh, do a trial of it. So for this episode, we have myself and Caleb as the players. We also have Rowett from GamersPlane.com, who is one of our affiliate members of the network. And then uh, as our fourth member, we actually invited Jason, who is one of our patrons, uh, to join us as well. The first uh, 25 minutes or so of this episode, give or take, because I'm not sure how long this intro will be, is a rules overview and discussion where uh, AP or Andy uh, kind of goes over the rules and talks a little bit about them and where they come from and explains to us how to play. And then from that point on, we kick off and actually start role-playing the adventure. There will be, I believe, four episodes total. So half of this one is discussion and then three and a half episodes of actual play. And then, of course, we will have our traditional uh, after-game wrap-up with the players where we kind of review and discuss what we thought of the game. Spoiler, we like it. AP will also be at a Catacon this year in November, demoing his game as well as a new board game that he is also working on. So hopefully you guys will check that out as well. Uh, I believe this episode will come out while our Catacon Kickstarter will still be going on. And we hope that you will check that out as well. As of this recording, we have already funded, but we still have some stretch goals we're trying to make. So anyways, on to the show. Here is the Trial of Cold Steel Wardens, episode number one. All right, guys, welcome to the show. This is another uh, exciting installment of The Trials, and this is where we try out a new game system, either new to us or new in development. Uh, this time around, we have a, a superhero RPG called Cold Steel Wardens from Blackfall Press, and we have the honor of having the creator of the game, um, Andy, with us tonight. He's going to go over some rules, and then we are going to play a session of the game. For players, we have my favorite co-host and yours, the Caleb G., Hello. We have Rowett from GamersPlaying.com. Hey, guys. And we have friend of the show and patron, Jason. Jason, say hi. Good to be here. Thanks. Thank you, sir. We appreciate you joining us tonight. All right, Andy, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to you. Uh, tell us all about this awesome game. Sure. Hi, guys. Um, uh, Cold Steel Wardens uh, was, has been kind of my, my brainchild since about 2011. I started writing this actually after an Origins, uh, Icons, uh, Steve Kenson's you know, fantastic uh, Silver Age game had just come out. I was really high on that, really enjoying it. I actually ran it at that Origins, and kind of on my way home, came up with the idea, well, there have been a lot of great Silver Age games, like Icons, Bash, Supers, uh, several others. Um, there have been a lot of Pretty good generic superheroes games, Mutants and Masterminds, Champions, uh, the kind of my sentimental favorite, Heroes Unlimited, uh, 
but there really has never been a an RPG that focuses on the Iron Age of comics. Uh, at least one that that tries to that tries to do it do that specifically, uh, which to me is kind of odd because all the all the big storylines, all the all the you know stuff that people are making movies out of are kind of coming from that. I mean, your Christopher Nolan Dark Knight trilogy comes straight from that. Your uh, your Iron Man storylines comes from Warren Ellis's Extremis. Um, so, with that in mind, I sat down in July and started writing. And by the end of that summer, kind of had a uh, a rule set that was rough enough that I could take into playtesting. And at the end of 2012, decided to kickstart. Uh, made made our Kickstarter goal. Uh, encountered a number of difficulties on the way, but uh, managed to finally get it out in print. It's up on Drive Through and um, Pardon available at. Chronicle City, our publisher as well. Excellent. And then your Twitter and Facebook are both Blackfall Press. So if someone wants to get some more information, they could go there. Yep. And I do my best to be as, you know, answer as many questions as possible. We post reviews. You know, I talk about game sessions, you know, conventions we'll be at. Uh, definitely looking forward to Gen Con in a couple months. Oh, yeah. Really, uh, really one month. <laughs> it's not too far off. No, it's not. It's it's super. I'm super excited, but there's part of me that's also like, man, that's so close. And I still don't have my schedule exactly set. But anyway, so uh, we want to talk rules wise. So you guys, uh, you guys have each picked out a character. Uh, do you want to just kind of briefly introduce who's playing what here uh, from a from a fluff make, uh, standpoint? Okay, so I have chosen to play uh, a hero by the name of Kadia, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. You got it. Secret identity, Ramon Jimenez. If I understand this correctly, Ramon was a gang member who ended up switching over to the superhero career. And uh, as seems to be the trend... When we play our superhero games, I am once again playing a regular guy with no superpowers. <laughs> that is that is accurate. Uh, has, uh no powers this time. I don't know if I'm a glutton for punishment or <laughs> if that says something about me, but I made the choice and I'm committed. Let's do this. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. All right, Jason, let's go ahead and move over to you, sir. I am playing Camshaft, secret identity of Dr. Isabel Reedy. Um, she is a very intelligent scientist who was injured in a laboratory accident and has a cybernetic arm with a built-in blaster and her surveillance drone. Very excited about getting to use that. All right, and Roe. So I am playing Ambush, secret identity Rachel Henderson. And it seems that Rachel was in a train accident and suddenly found herself teleporting. And now she wants to be a friend to police and law enforcement. And as for myself, I'm playing Sawbones, uh, also known as Joseph Bryson, who uh, basically I, uh, I washed out of the police academy. I became a paramedic. I was in an, in an accident. So apparently there's a lot of bad driving that goes on in the city. Uh, there's a lot of congestion. It's, uh, <laughs> it's poor road conditions and infrastructure in New Corinth. Yeah, so it's the, the corruption at City Hall. They can't get the potholes fixed. But exactly. It caused my, uh, my partner to die, but I actually was able to phase through the accident and was not injured. Uh, so now I am actually against the corruption in the, uh, the PD uh, and the, uh, I guess, like the government. Yeah, I want to expose the poor conditions at Stonegate Federal Penitentiary. 
So really, so, the city does not need superheroes. It needs a city planner. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It needs a uh, it needs a city planner that's incorruptible and uh, independently wealthy, so that it can ignore the mob money. <laughs> so Batman, but more of a civil servant kind. Almost as if you needed Bruce Wayne more than Batman. <laughs> Pretty much. Alrighty, so uh, I'm assuming you guys have your character sheets right in front of you, either digitally or paper. I have lots of paper here because I have my whole convention kit. We'll run through kind of uh, how things work on the character sheet briefly, and we'll jump right in. Sound good? Sounds good. Let's do it. Alrighty. Well, right in the middle of the left side of your sheet, you have your vitals. Your vitals are kind of your uh, core D&D-style stats. Uh, in this case, we have eight. Uh, magnetism, accuracy, force, intellect, agility, nerve, awareness, psyche. Most of them are self-explanatory, but they're all on a scale of 1 to 10, and that represents a number of dice that you roll. So looking here, I have, I have Hellion, uh, one of the characters that you guys are not playing. Uh, she's kind of a, a sniper, you know, small arms, pistolier. Um, with some supernatural elements to her, but uh, in her case, she has an accuracy of six. So if I had to make an accuracy test, I'd roll six dice, and all these are d10s. Anytime you roll, you're looking for six and better. Six, seven, eight, nine count as one hit. A ten counts as two. A one does take away one. So looking here at what I've rolled, I rolled one, three, two fives, an eight, and a ten, so I would have two hits on six dice. Make sense? So we're rolling above a target number. Yeah, six or better. So most of the time you're never going to roll vitals test. Vitals factor into pretty much everything else you do. Most of the time you guys are going to be making skills or powers tests. And in fact, uh, the only one that will probably make a powers test in this case is going to be is going to be camshaft. I'll explain that here in just a moment. The vast majority of the time, you're going to be ranking skills test, which is why they take up so much uh, a big section on the left side of the sheet there. Skills work the same way. You're going uh, where it says your rating. Your rating is the number of dice you roll. So if I'm going, if Hellion here was going to roll athletics, she has five dice in athletics. I got no hits on my athletics test, but I would add my force vital to that. She has a force of three, so zero plus three is three. Sound good so far? Sounds good. Okay. Uh, beneath each category of skills, the skills are separated into five categories, uh, physical, investigative, social, knowledge, technical. Beneath each category, you have specialties. The skills are left intentionally vague. They're meant to be uh, very broad categories. Athletics is run, jump, climb, swim, tumble across the room. Scientific is biology, chemistry, physics, engineering, medicine, you name it. Those get differentiated in your specialties. Basically, you add in extra dice anytime your specialty applies. So, I mentioned Hellion is a is a pistolier type ranged uh, ranged fighty gun character. She has lots of extra dice when she's wielding pistols. Camshaft is a very is a very good robotics expert. She has extra dice when dealing with robotics and uh, mechanical engineering. Kadia has lots of extra dice when he's when he's dealing with his uh, his gang buddies. On the le- on the far left side, you have your pace, which is how far you go in one action uh, in yards or meters, whichever you want to use. Uh, defense value, which is how hard how hard you generally are to hit and damage. Wealth and status, which is kind of like credit rating if you if you guys play Call of Cthulhu, like how much funding you can put to bear against uh, against something. 
Uh, I'm going to skip flaws for a moment and go down to masteries, which are feats on steroids. Uh, most of them are already factored in. Uh, Kadia, you have um, you have Street Fighter, which lets you do some pretty awesome things if you deal a certain amount of damage. Most of those are pretty self-explanatory, and you guys can use them as you like. Right below those, you have your most common weapons and attacks, and that's already figured out for you. Uh, so to attack, you roll where it says total dice. To deal damage, it says strain dealt. Good so far? So far, so good. I'll switch to the right side with your uh, physical and mental strain thresholds. Uh, these are, think of these as your hit point thermometers. Uh, as you, t- uh, you start off at the circle, you get, and you start checking off down towards zero. As you are exhausted, as you take stress, as bad things happen to you. When that happens, you will eventually hit what we call your breaking point. When you hit your breaking point, it's no longer bumps, bruises, let me ice it down. It's broken bones, it's concussion, it's life-threatening injury. On the same thing with, with mental stra- strain, it's no longer just stress or fear or exhaustion. It's psychosis. And if don't hit zero. Hitting zero is bad. Make a note. Zero is bad. Zero is bad, okay? So um, I've got a real quick question here for you, Andy. Sure thing. Um, sure thing. On my character sheet, I don't know if it just didn't carry over on the PDF, but I oh, don't my. I don't have the um, starting points marked. So well, Let's fix that. You have Kadia? Yes. All right. Um, your physical strain starts at 18. Okay. And your breaking points at 6. And okay. your mental strain starts at 15 and breaking point at 5. 18, 6, 15, and 5. So down the middle, uh, we have characters with powers. Powers work just like skills, except for the fact that instead of getting specialty dice, you get optional effects, which are ways that you get to shape how your powers work. So with Camshaft, one of her optional effects is, hey, I have this artificial arm. I have the drone, the little pop-out spider drone that I can uh, go and do stuff with. I have a blaster that I can pew-pew-pew with. Ambush has the lovely ability that once per round as a non-action. Typically in combat you get two actions. Once per round as not an action, you get a free teleport. So you Yay! can So you're you are Nightcrawler bamf 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 all over the place. <laughs> Generally speaking, like I said, you're no, you're not going to uh, make a powers test. You know how to teleport. Sawbones knows how to phase through walls. Camshaft has a cybernetic arm. That, that it is what it is. Uh, the only real time that's going to factor in is actually Camshaft's uh, Pulse Blaster, which is actually entirely factored in under the common attacks, so you won't have to worry about that too much. Okay. Right in the middle, you have your memories, motivations, and stances. Earlier I, I skipped flaws, but that's because I wanted to talk about them here. You guys can see, obviously the listeners at home can't, uh, I have a little counter up in my screen here uh, the re- uh, that has the number 12, Yes. Yes. Yep. Okay. That represents what we call the vigilance pool. Uh, The vigilance pool is a pool of dice that is your collective, your grit, your determination, your sense of justice, your your wanting to do good in the city. You can use those dice, those 12 dice, for a couple different options. I want more dice to roll. You just failed or you just, you know, you want a better success – you take one dice at a time, you roll as many as you want. Second way, I want to re-roll those dice. That roll was bad. 
I take three dice out of the pool, you re-roll all the dice you just rolled. And in both of those cases, that can be for anything. That can be to hit, to damage, to use a skill, whatever. Last way is the fun way. And uh, some RPGs have done this in different ways. I've never seen it to this gradient. This is what we call narrative control. Let us surmise an example here. You're Batman. Everyone wants to be Batman. You're in an office building. You're collecting evidence on, on you know, Carmine Falcone. Up, They have guns. You say, man, I got what I need. I really need to get out of here. There are a lot of these guys. I don't want to have to beat up all of these guys. I really wish there was a fire extinguisher across the room. I would throw a batarang. There would be smoke. I would get away. And I say, that's a great idea, Batman. Give me four dice. And you would say, mm, how about three? Okay, sounds good. Now there's a fire extinguisher there. The more you change the scene, the more it costs in dice. And that gets, that gets negotiated every time. So what cost, what cost two dice at the start of the game might cost ten dice at a particularly critical moment, might cost four dice later. One other caveat about that, any use of the vigilance pool has to be consensus. That means everyone at the table, myself included, has to agree to that use. So if, even if one person objects, dice go back in the pot, doesn't happen. The way you refresh those dice is through your memories, your motivations, your stances, and your flaws. You see, if I take advantage of the fact that Sawbones, yeah, Sawbones is a chain smoker. Sawbones, you know, occasionally just has to light up. And if I, if I take advantage of that and I say, man, Sawbones, you're really jonesing for a light, even though you're trying to be stealthy right here, I have to pay you in dice. But if you put your characters out there, if you do something to put one over on your character, I have to pay you double. Does that make sense? So it's a lot like fate points in that regard. Like when we allow a complication, we get a reward for it. Precisely. And in fact, when you go, when you go in search of that sort of thing, you get double the normal reward. If I take advantage of you, I, I, I pay you a little bit. If you, if you take advantage of you, I pay you extra. Okay, so that for me that brings begs the question, is there a penalty for the vigilance pool emptying other than we don't have access to that resource? Is there something that happens if we take out too much? No, if it's empty, it just sits empty until until someone uh until something bad happens to someone. <laughs> gotcha. For lack of a better statement. <laughs> okay, so a question for me here, Andy. Sure. Looking at the character sheets, when it comes to the dice in the vigilance pool. Mm -hmm. Essentially, we're talking about once when we are role-playing our characters accurately, that's how we build up that resource. You got it. But from a mechanical standpoint, uh, looking at the rules, looking at the character sheets, we are gaining this resource by playing to the flavor you have given us under memories, motivations, and stances. Yep. Okay. And were you guys to be playing your own characters? If this was a home game where you were uh, where you weren't playing pre-gen characters, you design that. You know, the memories, the motivations, the stances, all that's in your hands. So you say, "Man, I really want this character to be, you know, tormented, living under his father's shadow, or something, something like that." So, so when that comes up, that uh, that gives you dice. And is there a set reward? system for how much you pay us, or is that something you make up based on the situation? There is a chart in the book that, that, uh, that is, uh, like, it's, uh, to quote Captain Barbosa, they're more like guidelines, really. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's more like an ad hoc sort of, okay, that that really, you know, hurt your character. That really put you in a bad spot. Let me throw you some more dice. Or, or but, here's a couple. <laughs> but for a brand new player who's buying this book, uh, mm-hmm. him or herself, there is a chart that he or she can read through and get an idea to learn, okay, so this was just kind of a, a minor hindrance, maybe that's one or two dice, or holy shit, we, this player completely fucked himself over, here's 12 dice. That, exactly. There's a, there's a guideline. It, I'm, in fact, I'm in fact looking at it right now, it's on page 162. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> As well, as well as the sort of things you can do with uh, changing the changing the scene in terms of narrative control. Uh, there's a there's a lovely uh, chart on that right beforehand. <laughs> Very good. I just wanted to make sure that for the listeners, they knew that this part of the game is very well supported, so that they don't have to try to make it up and worry yeah. about breaking the game or ruining the balance. No, uh, that's a that's a great question, especially because that's the sort of thing that was built into. Uh, to kind of emphasize the uh, the Iron Age characterization, so many times, especially with you know your Silver Age characters, you know, they might have a weakness. You know, Green Lantern is weak to wood. Why is Green Lantern weak to wood? We don't know or care. But once you start hitting the Bronze and Iron Age of comics, that's where you you start seeing more round, more developed, more uh, more nuanced characterizations. I mean, Night Owl from Watchmen is not the same without the fact that you know. He has he has his issues in the bedroom, and that's that's a major plot point. The comedian, same thing. Uh, Batman. Once you start hitting you know, Frank Miller and Dennis O'Neill and uh, so many so many of the other great writers of that era. Oh. I was actually going to ask on a side point. I'm noticing I have defensive defensive teleporting plus three to DV. What is ah, DV? DV is defense value, and that is, in fact, already factored in for you. Playing Ambush, I will probably not hit you during this entire session. I will probably not deal damage to you whatsoever. <laughs> but you'll notice that Ambush has a rather crippling uh, flaw there regarding her mental strain. <laughs> Ambush has not had a, had a great uh, home life. No, I, I apparently just fall apart when someone makes fun of me. And claustrophobia. For a teleporter, claustrophobia seems to be a very interesting... Uh, that's. I, I just feel like I would just jump out of everything that is tiny. <laughs> <laughs> if you can. <laughs> we'll see, huh? Oh, no. I know that voice when I tell it to my players. <laughs> <laughs> he, he learns. He catches on. <laughs> All righty. Uh, Jason, did you have any questions about your character? No, I think that's pretty straightforward. I like the the idea of rolling a bunch of dice for these certain things. I think that's going to be fun. All right. Anybody else have any uh, any questions? Anything that doesn't make sense on their character sheet, or anything else we need to know? Mechanically, everything makes a lot of sense to me. I, I have two questions here. First off, sure. is one last mechanical thing. We are essentially here rolling a large dice pool and looking for a number of successes. As a GM, Andy, you are setting the difficulty of a task for the number of successes that we need. Is that correct? Yes, and uh, and again, that's uh, the, the, in the lovely GMing chapter. It has a, it has a wonderful baseline for how the for how those work. Gotcha. Okay, yep. so that makes a lot of sense. A little bit like Shadowrun in that we're seeing which dice are successful. I, I've had comparisons to Shadowrun, uh, a lot to World of Darkness, a little bit to Savage Worlds, a little bit to Fate. Uh, I like to think that this is the the sum of my nerd experience. 
right here. <laughs> well, I think with any independently created role-playing game system, you're always going to be able to pick out those little nuggets of bits and pieces that the creator has pulled from his or her experience at the table. So seeing all these little pieces, obviously they come together as a, as a wonderful amalgamated total that is Cold Steel Wardens. But for the sake of understanding the game uh, as a brand new player, being able to pick out, oh, this is just like Fate. Oh, this is just like Savage Worlds. That makes a lot of sense. So... That is cool there. My last question was more about the the flavor of the session we're playing here, and I might be stepping on your toes, but ultimately I wanted to know kind of what our standing is in the city. Are we vigilantes? Are we established heroes? What is our place? What is our mission here? Well, that's a great question, and that actually leads us right into right into the adventure here because this Man, is it's like I'm a started. fucking professional. Almost. <laughs> When's the paycheck arrive? <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> in fact, uh, one of the one of the default setting assumptions in New Corinth, which is our which is the default Cold Steel Warden city, is that vigilantism has expressly been outlawed. Uh, much like in Watchmen, where you have uh, where you have the Keen Act, we have the Nornsby Act, which really didn't do a whole lot in terms of in terms of legality aside from make the act of vigilantism the idea of I'm gonna put on a mask and go fight crime a separate offense that would be tacked on to uh, breaking and entering or assault and battery or theft or all the things that you guys as vigilantes will probably be doing during the course of our adventure with that comes an additional prison sentence and fine that goes along with that but uh, but you are not typically liked by police. Uh, you are, in fact, hunted. Now, Ambush and Camshaft both have certain attitudes towards that, which, in fact, you might note, conf- kind of conflict with what Sawbones thinks about the police force. Uh, this is where we get into that, uh, that uh, difficulty with the uh, stances. Wait, what does Sawbones think about the police? Bunch of jackasses. But the police are there to help us. Not the ones I deal with, kid. <laughs> oh great! He started doing a voice again. Shut your sassy mouth. <laughs> yeah, don't don't be surprised if I if I slip into something high pitched. All right, so you guys, as I mentioned, are in our default city of New Corinth. Uh, New Corinth is well, if you took the the best parts of Gotham City and mashed it into Detroit, that's New Corinth. <laughs> You are fairly experienced vigilantes. You're all at 25 XP, which is, uh, you've been around. You're not Batman, but you're working on it. Uh, But you have not worked together before. You are aware of one another. Sawbones, you know that that there's a woman with a cybernetic arm that might be calling herself camshaft out there beating up criminals. Ambush, you know that... Uh, there's a guy roaming around with a chain beating up ex-gangers, or beating up gangers. You know each other's code names, you do not necessarily know each other's secret identities. You've been so far content to uh, start with your own investigations thus far, which you've procured, you know, just patrolling the streets, but lately you've uh, started to branch out trying to find other jobs, and of all places, freaking Craigslist. You hardly expect to pick up any serious leads on inve- for investigations from there, but trolling around one night, you stumble across an enigmatic ad. 
urgent. Private matter requires discreet investigation. Experienced investigators only, please. Will provide meeting time, place upon contact. Scientific expertise a plus, but not required. Discretion is. A few minutes and a fake email address later, you receive a response. You're to meet a Roz at the statue of Do- Joseph Danishevitz in Easton Park in Marwick Heights at 11 p.m. So each of us have, have come to this same step independently of each other? Yes. Anyone want to do anything in particular there? or what, Was this uh, posting in uh, Criminals Seeking Patsies section? <laughs> <laughs> call, uh, call it... Um... Casual encounters. <laughs> C- criminal casual encounters. All right, so uh, so Sawbones, I uh, I think we established the last time we played this game, he uses his ambulance as like his Batmobile. So I've got a park somewhere nearby listening to the police scanner. I've got like a grape Slurpee, and I'm eating a hot dog from a street vendor waiting for the appropriate time. Uh, when Kadia got this message... He would want to search his knowledge for a little bit about the area first before he heads off. So basically, I'm trying to think of if I know the area, if I know the ins and outs, if I'm familiar with any choke points, any vantage points, that kind of thing. Well, for that sort of thing, uh, for that sort of thing, we typically use historical, which is one of your five knowledge skills. Historical covers geography and history and the like. Alternatively, uh, I know you might uh, you might want to use criminal to determine. Oh, is there are there any particular gangs in this area or that sort of thing? Uh, they'll give you different information based on what you roll. Can I roll criminal, but with the end result intention being one whose territory am I going into mm-hmm. and two specific to this park is this a a spot where I'm likely to get jumped uh, is there a quick escape route kind of I'm trying to enhance my situational sure. awareness sure and you have the um, you have the gang association mastery correct correct. Right, uh, or a gang affiliation, rather. Uh, so you can go ahead and actually add, add those extra dice, those four extra dice for your gang affiliation, because that's effectively what you're asking about. Cool. So uh, looking at criminal, that's seven dice. Yep. Uh, so you're going to get an extra four for your gang affiliation, which brings you to 11. Obviously, your gangs and your organized crime specialty both apply, so that brings it to 13. So you're rolling a crap ton of dice here. Holy God. Do you have any mechanic for, like, when you get to that point, you can just take an average or take a number? Generally, uh, generally, no. I, I, I shied away from doing the, the ubiquity thing there, primarily because uh, you can't see this, I don't think. Uh, Kadia's intellect is not exactly very high. He has a three intellect, which is average, so... Will he really know something? This is his area of expertise, but his baseline is not great. So uh, because of the way the math hashes out there, I wanted to shy away from that. Okay, so when I am giving you my results, mm-hmm. do you want a breakdown of what all the dice rolled? How do you want me to present this to you? No, so just I'm... tell me how many hits you got on your dice, uh, how many successes, and then okay. don't forget to add your intellect of three to, to, to the total hits. Okay, so since this is the first roll of the game, I'm going to go a little bit more detail than we normally would so our listeners can listen. Uh, Excellent. So I, I ended up rolling 
what the hell was that, 13 dice? Yep. So I got two ones, which are yep. minus ones. You got it. I have four that were in the two to five range, which are no hits. Uh, I have one, two, three, four. I have five that are in the six to nine, which is a one-hit range. Okay, so and, now so that puts you at three hits so far. Right, and I have two tens, which count for two hits each. So three plus those four makes seven, and, and then you add your intellect. So with a ten, you have a pretty comprehensive knowledge of this, er- this area. Uh, you know Marwick Heights is, is first off, kind of the downtown, you know, this is where the high-rises are. This is where the big corporate centers are within New Corinth. It's not really considered to be any any major gang territory. Most of them stay out of there, primarily for fear of a, uh, of a group that you've heard of. You don't know much about them, but they're called the Warren Group. They don't sound like nice people. They're, they're scary enough that the Genovese's and the Rojo Bastardis and the, uh, the White Russian have stayed out of Barbakites. So uh, you also know Easton Park's just kind of a small little, uh, little blip of a park downtown in amongst all the corporate chaos and the like. There's the, the statue of Joseph Danishevitz, uh downtown, one of the city founders, it's pretty well lit. You shouldn't have too much of a problem getting away. It's also not particularly traversed during uh, at, by 11 p.m. There's not really a whole lot of people there. So the territory we're going into is more of a, a corporate gang, not a, a street gang. Yes. Okay. What's my mode of transportation? Am I walking over there or do I have a motorcycle or something? I'm, well, under your equipment, it uh, that's your general type of crime-fighting equipment. I'm presuming that everyone has some sort of day job and has some sort of car, but if you're taking that car, you're taking your car as Ramon Jimenez's car. So if someone sees your license plate or, you know, grabs your VIN number, they're going to be able to trace it to you. So. Well, I do not want to do that. So maybe what I'll do is I'll take the car, but I will park four or five blocks away and uh, grab all my gear and walk okay. on over. Very careful. Sure thing. Anyone else uh, want to uh, try anything before going to visit Roz? Yeah, I've got my car at the top of a parking garage. I feel like I drive a Prius, kind of environmentally <laughs> conscious with my science background. I uh, don't want to warm the planet too much. So I would want to take out my palm-top computer and look up Roz on the internet and see if I know who this Roz person is that's uh, inviting us to this meeting. Uh, go ahead, give me research. Uh, that's one of your investigative skills. Uh, unless I'm wrong, you have a pretty decent research. Uh, yep, four. And if you have any sort of specialties that might apply, go ahead, toss those in as well. Um, I do know about the science and technology community, and oh, since that. said science experience would be a benefit, I think he like he might be part of the science community. Definitely, yeah, sure. All right, I'll roll that. Interesting. So I rolled six dice. I didn't get a single hit. I got three fives, two fours, and a one. Woof. So add my... Intellect. Intellect. So that's six. So I'll get a total of four, I believe. Six minus one is five. Oh, minus one. It's not minus two. Yeah, okay. Yep. All right, so there's just not enough information. I mean, Roz is... That's not enough to go on. If, if you had a last name, maybe you could find something, but as you're poking around, 
there's not really any relevant search results. All right, so I'm going to lock my Prius up here on the top of this parking garage and make my way down to the park. Sure thing. Anyone else, or just all meeting there? I will, actually. So uh, I noticed that Ambush is very good at picking out details, especially having, and I can never say this word correctly, edit... Eidetic? Eidetic. As soon as someone says it. Um, But there you go, eidetic memory. So based on uh, her ability to teleport... So actually, here's a good question. I have a wealth of eight. What is eight on a scale, like, is eight I work at McDonald's, or is eight uh, I am moderately well-off, wealthy? Eight is moderately well-off, not quite wealthy. You have a uh, burgeoning modeling career there. Nice. I I always knew this would work out for me. Uh, (laughs) So I I figure I'll probably make use of my teleporting abilities. That way there is no vehicle over the track. Hop around on building rooftops until I get close to the park. And I want to try to uh, basically, I'm not sure whether this would be notice or examination, but basically take a look about the park and see if there's anything that sticks out particularly. Uh, You stumbled across something good because it's actually neither of those. What you're asking is investigation. Okay. Uh, notice is uh, is your passive perception. Your did you see something out of the corner of your eye? It's also your counter for stealth. Okay. Um, examination is when you're really like doing fine detail work. Uh, uh, when you're dusting for fingerprints or you're looking at DNA patterns or that sort of thing. Ex- uh, investigation though is when you're trying to actively scope out a scene, when you're looking for clues, when you're trying to find something out of place. That's that's your investigation. Okay. So uh, let's see if I got this right then. My investigation is four. Yep. I imagine I'd be able to use pick out detail as one Absolutely. of my here. And keen hearing. I don't know if that applies or not in this setting. Sure, go ahead. Take it. Okay. So that would put me up to six die, correct? You got it. All right. All right, that's not bad. Not great, but not bad. So uh, I wound up with a two, and then I add my awareness for a four, so six. Okay. Nothing really out of place, but from your vantage point, since you're pretty high up, you can see down there someone looks like in a (laughs) very stereotypical brown trench coat, just kind of leaning up against the statue, playing around on a smartphone. I will keep eyes on him for the moment and then wait to see what happens. Uh, So far, uh, nothing. Is anyone approaching then, or...? Well, from my uh, vantage point inside my ambulance, if I see movement or the, the contact, uh, once I see that, I would wait a, just a couple minutes. Uh, then I would actually stop waiting because I, I don't really wait. I'd get bored and I would just <laughs> I would finish my hot dog. There's going to be like a big gloop of ketchup that's falling to hit my pants, but then I'll phase so it actually doesn't hit me. And then I'll come out and come around from the around the statue on the other side. I'll toss you a die in the vigilance pool for that one. <laughs> Kadia is probably at this point just about walking up since he parked mm-hmm. a few blocks away. As he scopes out the park as he's walking towards it, he'll see the contact, mm-hmm. make the assumption that's the guy he's going to meet, and head right on over. Sure thing. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and presume that all of you guys proceed to arrive in turn, probably sounding like Kadia first, and then Sawbones a minute or two later, and um, Ambush bamfing in after a moment, and somewhere in the middle there, uh, it sounds like uh, Camshaft. 
Sound good? You had to go protect the rainforest first. Oh, of course. <laughs> uh, leaning up against the statue in Easton Park, uh, half-shadowed by the trees and foliage, you can see the outline of a middle-aged, dark-haired woman. She's playing with her smartphone with a slightly impatient look on her face. Your first thought, here's Roz. Roz looks you up and down. I guess this is what I get going to Craigslist. You're my investigators, then? Yeah, it, it seems like you needed some help, but Craigslist seems to be a strange place to post for it. Where do you typically go for this sort of thing? It's not exactly legal. Uh, the police do try to help who they can. All right. Let me give you the details of the job. Uh, my name is Victoria Rossiter, but you can keep calling me Roz. Uh, I'm a doctor of biochemistry at Cytosine Incorporated. We're a genetics firm out of South Arlington. Unfortunately, we've had a number of items go missing over the past three weeks, and that's where you come in. I need you to find out who's responsible and to get our materials back. And quietly. So why is this problem being solved by people like us and not the authorities? Let's just say we want to keep any amount of our materials out of the press. Are we talking about dangerous materials then? I can give you a full list of, uh, of everything that's there. It's not going to mean much to you. Um, DNA combinatrices, uh, data tables from our secure servers, uh, experiment samples, that sort of thing. We're a genetics firm. I'll take that list. I think I can make heads or tail of it. Uh, in fact, Camshaft, go ahead and give me a scientific role. Uh, seven total. Alrighty. Um, you've heard of her, actually. She's a pretty prolific geneticist. Uh, Cytosine, uh, you know, is a relatively small firm. They, they do employ about 400 people in New Corinth. Uh, but you don't know a whole lot about them aside from the fact that they do uh, biotech. So Kadia is not going to pay too much attention to the list because he doesn't really mm -hmm. understand any of the big words on there. He'll turn back to Roz. So something went missing. You turn to people like us to look for it. What kind of compensation are we talking about? I have access to some private funds that are off the books that if that's what you're looking for, you can be well taken care of. Typically like to work with dollar amounts instead of vague promises. Give me uh, give me persuasion. Or intimidation as you as you see fit. Uh, I feel like he's trying to be more persuasive, but he's just really bad at it. So I'm gonna <laughs> go with persuasion because that feels more fun at this point. Sure thing. But I do have fast talk in there. Can I try to use that? Absolutely. And... Cool. So that'll give me three dice to roll. Persuasion is based on magnetism, so I will add a 4 to it. And I only have a 4, because I have oh, no hits. Um, <laughs> you're kind of stumbling over uh, uh, over your words there, and she says something about an off-the-books funds transfer, and it's it's math. It, it sounds like she's going to pay you. All right, I'll accept that, but <laughs> I'll tell you this, Roz. If I find out that anything that we are finding or that you are doing has any impact on the drug trade in the city, I will come back for you and I will tear your company apart. Don't worry, we don't mess with drugs, just bees. Wait, what? Sure. You'll see. I have access to the lab tonight. If you got, if you're free, I can, I can get, I can get a hold of the security camera feed, so there won't be any trace if you, if you, uh, if you want to begin tonight at our labs. Do I know where the lab is already? What's your rating in historical? Five. 
Five. Okay. She said South Arlington. That's in the that's the su- southernmost tip of the city. You know there are a couple there are a couple industrial parks there. You might not know exactly which one, but you have a general idea of where it is. I'm already gone then. Oh, you're heading heading there right now then. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Sure, not waiting on anyone else. She kind of looks as you're walking away. How are you going to get in without me? I got my own key, sweetheart. She kind of shakes her head. Does anyone else want to ride? With these group of vigilantes, you said we recognize each other and, yeah. and we know our code name. So, so I know I'm, I'm standing here with, with Sawbones and Camp yeah, Chap. You, and uh, you, know, you know each other's code names. You know each other's general power sets. You know generally what each other are good at, uh, like areas of expertise and particular motivations, like about Kadia. Everyone else knows that you really have a hate on for gang activity and drug trafficking. They know you fight with a chain. They know you probably don't have powers, but they don't know your real name. They don't know, you know, any specific details. Gotcha. And we kind of already know each other's history. We, we, we've paid attention to each other in the press. I say, oh, okay, I know that's Camshaft and, and she's done X, Y, and Z. Exactly. Gotcha. You got it. Oh, that makes it easier. So it sounds like Sawbones is going to get a jump start on anyone else. Roz does offer to drive the rest of you over to Cytosine. So Sawbones, you have about a five-minute head start uh, driving the driving your decommissioned ambulance down towards Cytosine. You arrive, and the, the lot's pretty dark. It's pretty empty. There are some cars there. Uh, there uh, at the main entrance, you know, there is a security uh, little... Uh, security post uh, with the swing down uh, arm at the at the front gate. There are several other entrances, however, uh, looks like freight entrances. So you're able to drive around after a little and find your way uh, find your way there. Do go ahead and give me stealth though, as you are um, making your way around the building. Is the uh, is the security gate that has the arm is it manned by a security guard or is it automated? Uh, it is manned, but like I said, there's it, uh, like around the side. There's a. There looks like there's a. There's a freight entrance, you know, uh, where you could literally just drive around and ignore that guy. Okay, I will do that then. So I'm rolling stealth. Sure. Yeah. I got a total of a six. Six. Okay. So far, no one's really paid a whole lot of attention to you. Uh, which is good. Uh, you do, however, get the idea that there are probably there are probably security uh, agents throughout this place. If if not actual cops, then rent a cops. Even bigger jackasses than cops. <laughs> so on the way, for those of you who are driving with Ross, what do you? Um, any questions for her? Anything you want to? Anything you want to know as you're? As you're going with her, or you just want to head uh, straight to Cytosine? Uh, so, Roz, if uh, if you're such a big, important firm with guards and security, how did this stuff walk out the door? That's kind of what we're wondering. Obviously, it has to have be someone who has access to our internal server network. It has to be you know someone, as much as I hate to say it, probably on the inside. But I'm not an investigator. I don't know these things. That's why I hired you. Well, that's fair. Do you have access to any of the video feed from when everything went missing? I could get you access to it, but I I don't know how long you're going to have inside the building. 
I'm fi- probably figuring only about half an hour. I'll look over to uh, my partners here in the car. What are you two feeling? Well, I've been reading through this list this whole time um, mm-hmm. just to try and get a feel for what's missing. There's something that's pretty huge on here. So maybe like is there something that I know would require certain amount of space or certain transportation requirements that might give us a clue as to where they've taken it? Um, go ahead, give me scientific again as you're you know going through that list. See what you recognize. Uh, eight. So as you're as you're going through that list, you're taking a look, and most of it seems pretty fitting with a biotech firm. It doesn't seem like the focus of this was equipment. It seems like the focus here was data and and actual uh, DNA samples. So we're not talking big stuff. This is the sort of thing that could be stashed on a USB drive or a solid-state drive, or and in terms of samples, you know, stuffed in a backpack or that sort of thing. Or inside a shaving cream bottle? Or is Possibly. That <laughs> <laughs> Only if you're going to uh, take it to Costa Rica. <laughs> well, how, what kind of car are we in? She has uh, she has a big uh, SUV. Uh, looks like a looks like a tricked out uh, Ford Explorer. Okay, so not a small car even with four people. So claustrophobia isn't kicking in. That no, the you're, key. Yeah, you're all right. All right, so I think even as things go on, especially given the uh, budding modeling career, mostly Rachel's going to be interested in small talk. I don't think there's really wait. Given, given her entire list, she's more interested in uh, <laughs> figuring out things as they come up rather than over-planning. All right, and as you guys uh, approach cytosine, you're, um, you know, she pulls up to the main gate, and she just kind of holds her badge in the window. Guy waves her through, bar opens, and she pulls around the side, and, and you can see at this point uh, Sawbones just now getting out of his ambulance. Roz pulls up uh, sort of near you, kind of gestures, all that for this? Yeah. Man of mystery, huh? I had to stop at another Craigslist ad and pick up a Hello Kitty notebook. All right. Well, as she kind of leads you behind uh, one of the main lab buildings there, she says, all right, wait here. Give me about five minutes. I'm going to head to the security desk, get the guard up. I'll get him away from his station. I figure that'll give you about half an hour to take a look through the lab and see what's going on. As you're looking, the gene lab is down the east hallway with the apiary at the far end. Staff lockers and showers and uh, basically everyone's uh, cubbies are all in the center. Workstations are down the east uh, are down the west side. If you hear me over the intercom, get out of the building as fast as possible. And she gives you each her cell phone number. Give me a call or a text if you find anything. So the samples would probably be down the east side. Are you thinking the missing data came from the west, if that's where... That's where most of our computer terminals are. That's where all the workstations are at. That's where you would have your best access to our internal servers. Then it might be worthwhile for us to uh, split into two groups. Jinkies, gang. It's a groovy mystery. Zoinks. Uh, anything else for Roz before she key cards inside? I don't think so. All um, right. I've got uh, a bad she... feeling about the whole situation, but I'm going to run with it. Yeah, we're definitely walking to a trap. Okay. Uh, she key cards open the, open the back door there and uh, leaves a brick in the door so that, you know, uh, you guys can get in. After about, the, after about five minutes, you figure 
all right, all's gone to plan, and you head in. So during that five minutes, though, uh, mm-hmm. let's take advantage of that downtime. Sure, uh, sure. The four of us will have a quick conversation about what Absolutely. our plan of attack is going to be as we walk into the building. I'm gone. I, I went ahead and I'm, I'm in the building. <laughs> <sighs> Son of a bitch. He always does that, doesn't he? Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out the RPGacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the drive-thru RPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media, such as Facebook and Google Plus at the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, You're doing it right.